Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to On the Sporting Couch, a programme about good mental health in sport. I'm Gary Bloom, a psychotherapist, and that means I work with all sorts of people, but often sportsmen and women, who are struggling with conditions like sporting underachievement, depression, anxiety, end-of-career issues and addictive behaviours. Meet Johnny Nelson, one of the most loved former professional boxers of our generation. He's still the longest-reigning cruiserweight world champion and was at his prime from 1999 to 2005, making 13 successful defences of his title. But his career had some troubled moments and Johnny battled with self-doubt and depression. This episode with Johnny Nelson was recorded before the death of Johnny's mentor and trainer, Brendan Ingle. But, as you'll hear, Johnny's words and stories are a fitting tribute to one of the most important figures in the history of British boxing. Would you have been as successful, not, no. not just as a boxer, but as a human being, would you have been as successful in your life if you'd never met Brendan? No. Nowhere near. And I, I can say that without even thinking about it for a split second. Without, If I didn't meet Brendan, I would not be this individual today. If I didn't meet Brendan, I would not have been world champion. I wouldn't even even have boxed. If I didn't meet Brendan, I, I, God knows, I'd have probably ended up like my dad, kids all over the place. If I didn't meet Brendan, my outlook, my, my view on life, on people, is because of Brendan. It's all because of him. Everything, certain things I say and certain things I do or how I look at things, it's because of him. Uh, and, and, I, and I will always give him credit and I will feel no shame about it over anybody and everybody. Over my parents, of my, of my, of my, of my, my, my wife, of my, my brothers and sisters, Brendan Ingle to me made me. I'm a product of Brendan Ingle, and that's what I tell everybody. I'm a product of Brendan Ingle. There's a lot about Brendan in your book. Yeah. If you were to sum him up to somebody who'd never heard of him, and who maybe doesn't know boxing very well, mm. how would you describe him, and how would you put into context his influence on your life? From whatever you do, you don't have to be a sportsman or woman. You look at Brendan Ingle, you check, look at look at what he's achieved. You'll you'll see all these world champions, European and British champions that he's achieved. That is the tip of the iceberg. The people that he helps, just to to be to be adults, be parents, be be responsible individuals, to educate themselves. You've no idea. There was a kid that you came in the gym once, and he had a bad stutter and he used to blink all the time. His parents parents brought him in. He used to get picked on a lot at school. And Brennan said, leave with me. Now, this kid was probably 13, 14 years old. He said, leave with me. Uh, but the only rule is I don't want you coming in the gym. You stay at the, you stay at the door. So you drop him off, let him come in. So every day, Brennan's got this kid to go on the lines. and to get Explain his, what the lines the are. The lines are in the gym. So the lines are, with, there's some lines painted on the floor in the gym. So Brendan devised these lines in, and to basically get your footwork together, to work on your footwork. So to create hand-foot-eye coordination. And so you'd have to do the lines for two two hours at least before you did anything uh, for two weeks solid. So so doing the lines, doing your footwork, is like walking, it's like talking. He wants you to be able to do your footwork in boxing without even thinking about it. 
so it becomes natural. You can box southpaw, you can box orthodox, you you can you can dip, you can slip, you can do everything without even thinking about it. You, it, it's like normal people on the street walking. They walk, they don't think about how they're walking. They just do it naturally, and that's how that's what the lines create. And so in doing that, it helps your motor skills. It helps your, your the left side of your brain work as well as the right side of your brain. It work, it, it helps you get your timing, your, your, your and everything in coordination. So this young man that came into the gym, Brendan had him doing all these things, working on the lines, talking, singing in the ring where everybody was there, talking to the wall, you know, to build up his confidence on the lines time after time after time after time after time. Within six months, all the doctors he'd been to, all the people he'd spoken to, the teachers, adults and everything, couldn't help this kid. Within six months, his stutter had gone. His, his blink had gone. His confidence had built up. He now... Uh, he ended up going to university, qualifying at university. Uh, he, he, this kid is a perfect example of the simplicity of our, of, of the Winkerbank gym. The Winkerbank gym, as as you know, the, the buzzword at the moment is multiculturalism. Our gym has been multiculturalized for for years before it was even a buzzword. You know, we had black, whites, Asians, girls, boys in the gym, everybody working together, and that's through Brendan, Brendan's idea. But I would argue that what Brendan has put into that gym and all those boxes, four-letter word, love. Yeah, he's put, and, and I, I completely agree with it. And I mean love, and it's been there's been a price. Because I always said to myself, I don't want to be a trainer, I don't want to be a manager. And Brendan said, why? I said, because when I met you, you had a, a thick head of black hair. Then it went grey, now you're bald. You've got a wife, five kids... At home, you've got 200 kids in the gym. And you're not just dealing with the kids, you're dealing with their issues outside the gym. So you're dealing with their parents. Because there's many times Brendan had go into the gym, have to leave the gym, go to a kid's house because there's trouble in his house with his parents because of someone on the estate. And I said, Brendan, I don't know how you do it. I, I, and that's why I could never do what you did because unless I can give the commitment what you've given, I think anything else is I'm cheating. So so I don't think I'd have... I'd have ended up doing what I'm doing without that commitment from Brendan. So unless I can do what Brendan did and give the same amount of love, same amount of commitment, then then I'm cheating. I'm cheating the, the individuals I'm, I'm, that I'm helping or supposed to be helping. Uh, but Brendan gave his life to, to, to these people. Let's go back to the very start. Johnny Nelson, that's not your name. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by people who leave their old names behind because I always wonder about identity. Where's your identity? Well, in a lot of West Indian households, most of the kids that come out of the house, it's not the house name. So so my house name is Ivanson Rani Nelson. Uh, uh, and so that's... That, but I can't ever remember actually being called that. And so I remember my first day at school. I can remember it clear as day. And, uh, and I was a bit of a teary kid. If an adult spoke to me, I'd, I'd just get, I'd start to cry. I'd just get all nervous. So if I was in a foreign environment, if I wasn't around my mum or my, or, or my brothers and sisters, I was just a nervy kid. And I'd just start to cry. So, so when I went to school, I can remember the teacher, Mrs. Leahy, who's St. Vincent's School, Holly's, Holly's Cross in Sheffield. Um, Mrs. Leahy, she was one of the teachers there. The school was a Catholic school, so the headmistress was a nun. There was a few non-teachers, but you got some people that weren't uh, at the church uh, teaching. So Mrs. Leahy, on the first day, she said, uh, right, um, she did a register, you know, introducing everybody. She said, right, then and we have Iverson. And, like, all the kids looked. I'm thinking, it's Iverson, not Iverson. And she kept saying Iverson, so I said, no, it's Ivanson. So the kids are laughing, and she's, like, trying to get the name right. But I think she was just trying to make me feel relaxed and make me laugh. But I started going, bottom lips started going and everything. <laughs> And um, and so she think, think she, I could now I'm, I'm old I can understand what she was doing. She said, "I tell you what, let's let's just give him another name just for today, until everybody gets used to calling his name." So because it was a Catholic school, we went through the apostles Matthew, Luke, Peter, John, everybody. So we had them all in the class. We had about four Johns in the class. Her son was called Morris. Morris put his hand up, and said, "Let's call him Morris," and I'm like, "Really?" And so no, 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 and, and so. Uh, one of the kids said, "Let's call him uh, Johnny." We had we had four we had four Johns in class. So kids, 
I don't know why we knew what a Johnny was at that time. And, you know, we the kids would giggle, Johnny. And so she's thinking, oh, they like the name Johnny. And so so she said, yes, let's call him Johnny, just for class. And it picked up from there. But all the time through school, the kids would be running up saying, running up to me saying can I borrow your rubber, Johnny? <laughs> so it was a joke. And But I can never remember being called Ivanson at home. But there's one person who still calls you Ivanson. My old man. My old man, my biological father. Uh, he he called me Iverson. But you 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 were brought up by your mum's partner called yeah. Benji, and yeah. he he proved to be a very strong father figure. Without a doubt, maximum respect to Benji. Uh, Benji <coughs> took on my mum and her kids. There was uh, a few of them, wasn't and there? And a few of us, yeah. Uh, so there was uh, six six of us. Uh, then Oliver popped up, his son, um, and my mum and Benji took took us all on, and uh, and Benji. He worked in the in the steel grinding fact steel grinding factory in the mills in Sheffield. The work when it came in it was good. Uh, when it wasn't, you know, he wasn't working. But he, he took care of us all. He was that's who I class as dad. That's who I class as my father. That's the man that was there and took me on and took care of me. Uh, put food on the table. He 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 he'd race me in the streets sometimes. The good times and the bad times. He's the one that I class as my dad. Well, I'm going to say you had two. In fact, I think you had three dads. Yeah, you had Brendan, you had uh, your biological father James. James, and you've got Benji. So what now? Th this is getting interesting yeah. in a therapeutic sense. What is the effect for you of having three? Well, certainly two two yeah. strong p father figures, and then a third one joins when you're about thirty years old. Well, I can remember the crossover. Now, in regards to my biological father. I actually, I don't really include him. I, I'm, I'm indifferent. I don't dislike him. I don't, I don't like him. He's all right. He's just a, a gentleman that he, he impregnated my mum, and that was it. I don't know him. Uh, okay, well let's let's look at the, the relationship between Benji and Brendan. Right. Brendan, so Benji. So therefore, so Benji, he he was he's my dad, bringing me through. Mm. And then I started boxing. Now Ben, in 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 our household anyway, they were straight talkers. If you could do something, you were good. If you're rubbish, you say you're rubbish. And so I wasn't a great boxer, you know. And he I didn't was, even like boxing. He di I didn't like boxing. I had 13 amateur fights. I kept. I only won three. So Benji would say, you're rubbish. Why are you boxing? That's my dad. He's telling me I'm, I'm rubbish. But Brendan could see what the issue was then. And so when Brendan said to me once, I want you to do me a favour. I said, what? He said, tell your dad he can't come to your fights. And I thought, what? This is the crossover now. This is the baton now. So when... So I'm thinking, I can't say to him you can't come to the fights because Brendan didn't want you to come to the fights. Brendan didn't want him to come to the fights because he thought his negative influence in regards to saying you're rubbish didn't help matters. My dad, Benji wasn't being bad. He was just saying how it is. He just, you're rubbish, Johnny. I know what's rubbish. But, so, but for me to grow and get better, him telling me that is, is hindering it, he's pulling it back. So Brendan said, I don't want you to bring him to the fights. Uh, and, and, and I know it's hard, but that's what I need to do. We're going to go right to the heart of the, the matter yeah. because I think what Benji felt was what he could see, and he's got a great relationship with you, yeah. Benji. He could see fear. Yeah. And fear I'll is right at yeah. the heart of your story. Mm. Brendan felt he could work with that and turn you into an outstanding boxer. But Benji, I wonder whether Benji got upset thinking you're going to get hurt. And that was projected onto you. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know what? Now you're saying that, I'm thinking... I've never actually thought about it that way. And he probably, he could see that was scared. He could see I didn't want to fight. I can remember boxing in Derby once and uh, Benji came to the show and that was the time that Brendan said, don't bring him anymore. And I boxed and me and the guy that were fighting each other, neither of us wanted to hit each other. And so we were like tapping, grabbing, tapping, grabbing and, and the other kid win and won. And as we were walking out, Benji said, you're rubbish. Why are you boxing? You, you shouldn't box. You're scared. So, but his delivery was just, it wasn't, Sugar-coated, he just told me, look, you're not good, you can't box. Subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app and never miss an episode. Well, when we spoke on the phone last week, you came up with a great line, if you don't mind me saying so, Johnny. You said, I mistook nerves for fear. Yes. Say a bit more about and that, that. And that, so to understand that, You've got to go through, I always, I always say to people, to get wisdom, you've got to go through experiences, good and bad experiences. 
So when good things are happening to you, it's great. When bad, you're going through bad experiences, people are saying, why me? You've got to go through those things to get wisdom. And that's why I can explain this now at my age. I can explain this once I got to became world champion because the penny dropped. And so I understood that, that I, when I had to assess myself and look at thought, why am I scared? What am I nervous? What, 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 what's ruining me? I had to go deep inside and think, right, what was it? What was upsetting and, you? And what was worrying you? And what you said to me, and I'm going to go even deeper than yeah. this, what you said to me, I was frightened of getting hurt. Yeah. But why would you be a boxer? Exactly. But I'd ask, I'd ask my same, myself the same question. I'd, and, and what I would do is, when I'd be sent away as a sparring partner, and I'd be bricking it in the in the hotel or bed sit, wherever I was, I'd be panicking, thinking, why am I doing this? Why don't I pick football? Why don't I pick golf? Why don't I pick boxing? And I'd be terrified. And I'd be walking across to the gym, thinking, oh, my God, why do I do this? Absolutely terrified. And so I thought, well, what are you scared of? Think about it. Break it down. So I thought, I'm scared of getting hit because it'll hurt. If it, if it hurts, I'm going to get my nose broken. I'm going to get my teeth knocked out. I'm going to get knocked out. That's going to hurt. And this is what this. So I had to break it down to think: What are you actually scared of? I'm going to play a game with you. It's a psychological game, and I've done this with many clients. <laughs> um, and it's called a down the stairs game. Mm. And it goes like this: Okay, you're frightened of getting hurt, physically hurt, because mm. if you were physically hurt, or you got your nose broken, or a teeth broke, then what? Could get killed. You could get killed. Yeah. And that was that. Then that is a that that, that was there. All these things were there. So did you think even when you were sparring in yeah. Germany, when you were when you were sparring partners, did you think, I'm going into this ring and I might never climb out of it? Yes. Yes, I did. How old was that fear? That fear was from being a youngster, from being an amateur. That was that even before I boxed. I did well, I couldn't fight. I could cause trouble, but I couldn't back it up. Um and, and I, I, I always thought something's gonna bad's gonna happen to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna get hurt here. I thought I was a coward. And, that, and I, I had no shame in telling people, you know, I was a coward. But then I, I had to understand that it wasn't fear, it was nerves. And I just didn't know how to deal with my nerves. Some people, when they get nervous, they sweat profusely or, or they go red or they get clammy. I, my, I, my heart flutters. I, just, I think, God, what's, my legs start to shake. And I, I just didn't know how to deal with it. So I thought that was fear. And it wasn't until I made fear my friend when she, and I understood it wasn't fear, it was nerves, and nerves are good. You know, it, it's human nature, it's, 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 a, it's a natural instinct. I would argue that the fear of dying mm. is quite an odd one for a very young man. Yeah. And I'm wondering where that comes from, to be honest, because normally we have fears of dying when mm. we get to middle age and we see our, our contemporaries mm. uh, getting ill and dying. A fear of dying when you're very young, Johnny, that's quite unusual. Yeah, it is. I, 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 you know, when I was younger, and I, and, and when I look back, I think, why was you thinking that as a kid? I wish I knew where the fear came from, but I always remember being anxious and, and, and fearful when I was younger. But was it fear or was it nerves which I classed as the fear? And that's the issue. Well, this gets taken into the ring with you, and I'm going to take you to a, um, what you might say the best night of your life and the mm. worst night of your life mm. when you... When you fight De Leon for mm. the first time at a world title fight, it ends in a draw, he keeps his, his yeah. title, and you're booed off the stage. <laughs> now, I watched the YouTube video of this yeah. th this week, and you talked about, yes, I own the fact I was a coward. Yeah. When you look at your interviews, after that fight, it's all a front. It's all a defence. Complete front. And I, I, and I thought, I don't believe any of this. A complete front. Even when I watch the fight itself, I want to reach into the screen and slap that kid in his face and say, Fix up. Now, this about, might sound really weird and odd. So I used to dream a hell of a lot. A hell of a lot. And so when it came to that De Leon fight, and I, I dream like the results of fights, and I tell Brendan, and Brendan say, just don't tell anybody. And I was right. And uh, it came to the De Leon fight, and I had a dream that the referee had my hand up in the middle of the ring after the fight. I looked across at De Leon, and he was smiling. And there was a guy in a pinstripe suit, a white guy with a pinstripe suit and an afro, Sticking two fingers up. This was my dream that I told Brendan about day before. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And and this this was it was that kind of intuition that I had. And when you tell people this, you think, yeah, whatever. That's my truth. That's what happened with me. And that's how I and that's that used to happen to me a hell of a lot when I was a youngster. But I would I would suggest that the the dreams 
and Freud called dreams the right royal road to the unconscious mm -hmm. was you tapping into your unconscious mind knowing that you were going into a world title fight mm -hmm. as a coward. Yeah. And you knew you could not win. Because even if you had won, there would be something about your psyche, your personality, which would have said it's just another front. You are spot on 100%. I knew when I got the crack for the world title, I thought I was going to get exposed because I remember when I started boxing, I didn't want to fight. I just did it because my friends did it. I, uh, and then I started to beat people as a professional fighter. And I didn't think I was good. I just thought they weren't. And that's how I looked at it. I didn't think I was good. I just thought they were not good. I just think they were not very good. So therefore, when I beat them and won the British title and won the Central Era title, and when I beat these people, I didn't think you're good, you, and it didn't build up my confidence. I just thought, he was rubbish. You've done well there. You've hustled. I'm, I've hustled my way through to, 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 to this point of being champion. But when I come across somebody that can fight, I'm going to get exposed. And so when it came to the chance to fight Carlos de Leon, former world champion, he was number one in the world for many, many years from Puerto Rico. When he came out, when, when I was fighting him, I thought, this is my day of reckoning. I'm going to get exposed here. Am I going to get lucky and be able to hustle my way through this? I'm going to get exposed. I boxed Carlos de Leon. The rest is history. But I now know if I'd have won that fight, I'd have lost it into my first defence or second defence because I was a boy in a man's body. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with responsibility. I couldn't deal with that kind of pressure. And, and, and my life would have panned out completely differently because I couldn't deal with it. My outlook was, I looked at things wrong. And these were dark days after that fight. Oh, my goodness. It, it, years later, I look back and say it was the best thing that happened. But at that time, it was the worst thing that happened because I went into, which I now recognise as depression, because I was getting ridiculed. I was getting uh, mocked everywhere I went. And I don't mean just in the papers. When you see those caricature cartoons in the paper, they did them about me. You know, taking a mickey about me, calling me a coward. Uh, and, and I'd be walking, I can remember walking into a restaurant with my girlfriend at the time and two big burly guys walking out and they saw me and they started saying, yeah, did you see that Johnny Nelson fight the other night? What a, what a chicken. It, it was a bit blue, the language. And, uh, and they, they were saying it loud enough for me to hear. And so when we're walking down the passageway to get into the restaurant, these guys barge past me. And I'm with my girlfriend, I thought, but I'm getting everywhere. And I told Ben, I said, Ben, it's still me. I didn't watch what I do. He said, Johnny, you can't fight everybody. You cannot fight everybody. Swallow it. And then he started telling me about Floyd Patterson and Inga Johansson. He, the same thing happened to him back in the years uh, where, for the world heavyweight title. He said, it's the same story, different actors. You've got to grow up. So when I say the words to you, Johnny, at that age, you were chicken. What goes on inside you? Um, at the age, at, at the time, I probably, I probably was, because I didn't want to face things. I buried my head in the sand. Because you were frightened of dying in the ring. Yeah, I was scared. I was scared of getting hurt, ridiculed, dying. I was scared. There's, there's just something that really, really perturbs me about the whole thing, about your story. Yeah. And I go back to something I've already said, that if I had that fear, if I had a, an, an irrational fear, and it's not an irrational fear to, you know, bearing in mind what you're doing, I would never get in a ring. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, if I was had an yeah. irrational fear of dying in a car crash, I just wouldn't drive. Yeah. If I had an irrational fear of lightning, I wouldn't go out on a golf course yeah. when, it would, when it was thunder and lightning. But you put yourself in harm's way... Yeah twice three times four times a year it doesn't add up exactly and I, and i i'd have the same conversation with myself why am i doing this why am, and there was a something holding me there to say johnny i i, I kind of knew that if i didn't get through this if i couldn't handle this it would affect every aspect of my life so i had to get hold of this because boxing isn't just about getting in the ring and fighting somebody it mirrors life how you deal with things, how you deal with pressures, how you deal with individuals, how you deal with yourself, how you're honest with yourself. So I knew if I didn't get over this, I would then come into a situation where I could be at work, be confronted. I could be in the street being confronted and I don't, I, I can't deal with it. So I had to get over this, but I hated it. I can remember saying, why don't I pick something else? What are you doing here? And, I, and listen, there, there was times when I got offered two jobs and remember, I'm a loser. I'm not won. I've, I've lost more fights than I've won. I've, I've, I've been. I've got for two decent jobs where I got a company car. Uh, I'd get a, a salary of about twenty grand a year back then. 
and I said, I turned him down. I said, no, no, I, I'm going to stick to boxing. Even though I had this fear in my head, even though I thought to myself, nah, if I do that, I can't, I can't train as much. I can't, uh, I can't commit myself to the boxing as much. I was rubbish. I fell on my path in life. And I, and, and to me, boxing doesn't, I, it, I don't dis distinguish myself from boxing. I think boxing was just a step in my life. I, I don't identify myself through the boxing. I actually like the fact that people have actually forgotten a box. And you say, we works on, the, on, on Sky. And it makes me smile and say, well, I'm doing a good job then. Because what you're saying to me is boxing was the medicine that cured the fear. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, I've been scared. I've been nervous. I've won. I've lost. I've drawn. I've been ridiculed. I've been a winner. And so I've seen every aspect of life, and, and, and it's not just what's happened in the ring, it's what's happened outside the ring that's made me. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On the Sporting Couch with Gary Bloom. Find more podcasts from TalkSport at talksport.com slash podcasts or by searching for TalkSport in the podcast store. Let's add something else into the mixing bowl and the issue of racism. Mm. How important was it that you are not only a coward of that age, but a black man and a coward? And you're it, smiling. Because. What does it, it mean? In my hometown, when, so I was just not just getting, getting classed as a coward. I was getting, I was getting, I was getting cussed. I was getting, how can I say? I was getting. Racially abused? No, no, I was getting it from my own people. But you can, still be, racial, you can yeah. still be racially no, no, abused and, and they were basically saying, you're embarrassing me. You know, they, they, you're an embarrassment to black, to black people. people. That's what I'm saying. And I'm thinking, what? And so they talk to me like I'm, I'm, like, I'm useless. I'm thinking, you you try it. So, so I, I, go, I go into black environments like a blues or I go into a club. And they were like, what are you boxing for? I'm getting it from, my, like, I got it from my dad. You can't fight. You're a chick. So these guys, instead of backing me up, they give me as much grief as anybody else. So it wasn't about black, white. It was about if I was good or bad. And, and that was it. And so and I got it everywhere. And, and then it actually followed me in my career. So every time I boxed after the De Leon fight, that's what they referred to. The De Leon fight, Johnny Nelson, you know, he's got no bottle. He's, he's a coward, he's whatever. He's boring. And I used to get it all the time. And so it got, I, I became thick-skinned because I got it from everybody. Else. And, and Brendan said to me, listen, don't take what people say personal unless they know you personally. Because you might have a perception of somebody on the TV in the newspaper, but that's in it. But you don't know them, and so so. And the hard thing is when you're in the public eye, you've got to be thick-skinned enough to be able to ignore. And it's not easy because it breaks a lot of people to ignore what people say, good and bad. Because when they say good things about you, it's great to big up your chest and say that's me. But is it true? And and but but and bad. You know, it, it knocks your confidence down. But how? damaging was it for you to be rejected by your own community by your own people it, it hurt because you my and it hurt because i had nowhere to run to nowhere to feel safe the only place i felt safe was in the gym so i, I became a gym rat i was always in the gym 
You say you started to grow up around the age of 21, 22. What took you from that fight to delay on? Mm. You're self-confessed as a coward mm. to a point where you regain a world title nine years later. Tell me about that nine-year period. How did you mature? What happened to you? Before I boxed Carlos de Leon, I had so many friends, so-called friends, that came out of the woodwork. And people you were being so nice to me. And then within 24 hours... I saw a change in people. Those same people that were really nice to me uh, and really helpful switched on me in a heartbeat. And I, and I mean, they didn't even hide it. And, and, and so I saw people being nasty, being horrible, being cruel, being insulting. And I thought, and it just threw me back. And I thought, human nature, I thought, people can be horrible. I can remember one guy, he owned a, a double glazing factory. And he said, oh, I'm going to do your house up when you finish. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to have a party at my house and everything. Um, so after your fight, come up and we'll get it all sorted out. So my, in my mum's house, because my only dream was to buy my mum's house. So, and that was it. That's all I wanted to do, buy my mum's house so she was all right. And so he said, I'm going to put double glazing in your mum's house. And this, that, and the other. I thought, great. After the Leon fight, the next day, I'm like... Because this guy said, come up, come up the day after. I said, oh, you're all right. He went, what do you want? I said, you watched your fight last night. Fight? That wasn't a fight. You were crap. I had people around me. I said, how embarrassing. And he went, and, and he, put, he said it straight. He said, you know, you're not getting anything out of me, don't you? So from being really nice and, and, and polite and respectful, they just turned. And it, that was just one example. And I got it from left, right, and center. I had a handful of friends, and they are my same friends now. And that, and that, Whittle out all of them. So, so from fighting the Leon fight to see the, the the switch of human nature, see how people, how horrible people can be, I then had to go on the road because I couldn't even get fights in England. People didn't want to put me on the shows. So Brendan sent me away as a sparring partner because he said you need to grow up. You're a boy in a man's body. You need to grow up. So as a sparring partner, I'd go to to, to East Germany when they still had those little yellow Travant cars uh, to 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 France to everywhere. And they didn't take care of it. You'd be in a dirty little, grotty little bed sit, like a piece of meat. And then you'd have to go to the gym at like three o'clock in the afternoon to spawn. Their job was to beat you up. You were getting paid to get beat up. So you're like a hooker. And so, so, and so, and so the, the other 22, 23, 20, 21 hours of the day, you were left to your own devices. And so you had no TV in your, in your room. Uh, you couldn't speak the language. Uh, you couldn't really do anything and go out and do any excursions because you had to get to the gym. And so it was horrible. It was the worst time, but I knew. And they give you a ticket. So I used to train in Frankfurt Order on the border of Poland. They give you a ticket, six-week ticket. So you fly out there to Berlin. Someone pick you up at Berlin Airport, drive you a few hours to, to Frankfurt Order. And, and then you were there for six weeks. If I wanted to go home early, I had to find my way to Berlin train change my ticket and buy a completely new ticket because i'd now i'm contracted to stay there for six weeks so many people what they do is they do it they say i'm going home it was horrible but to me it was the best thing now because it made me learn discipline gave me confidence it made me uh, believe i was i was actually better than i actually realized i was i'd be sparring with world champions guys that were multi-decorators and amateurs these guys were superstars in germany and I'd be beating them up in sparring. And they didn't like it, did they? And they didn't. Oh, they hated it. There was a trainer there. They used to call me Hollywood because Brent, I'd, I'd phone Brendan every night, go on the pay phone, say, Brendan, tell him what's happened. He said, listen. He said, get in there, smile, yeah, smile, laugh, be polite. Uh, and, and I report to him how the sparring's gone. He said, don't get hurt, hit and run, get out of the way, learn, watch, ride the shots. They hated it. And I got friendly with one guy called Axel Schultz. He was the, uh, he, he boxed, George Foreman for the World Heavyweight title and Axel was a nice guy and he used to kind of tell me what they were saying and he said these guys are racist you know be careful you know because they say a lot of stuff that was really really bad really disrespectful I didn't know what they were saying but I kept going back I, I kept don't, going I back. don't understand how you can get in a sparring ring six weeks at a time mm. as a black man mm. with Uber, in East Germany in East Germany yeah with racists yeah. and stick it out. To me, that, to me, sounds like a prison sentence. It was. It was like being in prison. It was... Let me tell you a little story about the first time I went there uh, um, uh, to, 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 to in Frankfurt Order. I got there, and I thought this, this bedsit I was in, 
it was open to everybody. Now, it was one of those places where workers came in from out of, out of Germany and they worked there Monday to Friday. So so it, I got there on the, I'd walked on, I got there on the Monday. So I'd, you'd go in for breakfast downstairs, then you'd go down, uh, then you'd go for, for lunch after training. It got to Friday and I thought, I'm not really hungry after I got back from training. I thought, I'll get a big breakfast Saturday morning. So I went down to walk into the kitchen and the kitchen was shut. I thought, it probably opens a bit later. Wait till 12 o'clock, it was still shut. I'm thinking, what? I'm starving. It was closed all day. They would, it, nobody was in. So basically, everybody had gone home. The workers had gone home and they locked the place up. So I couldn't even get out of the building. I was like the only person in and they had these metal shutters on the doors. So you couldn't get out. And I'm thinking, oh my God, now. Nah. So I've not eaten Friday afternoon, not eaten all day Saturday. Sunday morning, I got up, my belly's rumbling. I'm thinking, I'm starving here. I can't get, and they said, don't walk the streets because they had skinners that were driving around saying they'll get you, be careful. But I was starving. And so I'm looking out the, out the window of my room and in the distance I can see pear trees and apple trees. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm three floors up. And I thought, I don't care. So I put my tracksuit on, Adidas retro tracksuit. It was a green one. You know, so can you imagine you're driving your little Travan, you see a big six foot three black guy climbing down <laughs> a drain pipe in a lime green tracksuit. And that's what, that was me. Run across one garden, jumped over the fence, jumped over another fence, climbed up the tree, put all these apples and pears down my tracksuit top, climbed back over the fence again, climbed up the drain pipe back in my room. That was my food. And but, and, I, and I, just, I just thought, I'm not doing that again, you know. But all this served you well because nine years after that fight with De Leon, you get back in the ring yeah. with a chance of a world championship. Yeah. You meet Carl Thompson. But you're ready for that fight, aren't you? You've done your homework mm. and you're not frightened anymore. I, the, the time away in Germany was the best thing that happened because I learned about myself. I asked myself all the questions. I went through this fear, nerve thing. Uh, and I had to understand what it was because you're on your own. You're stuck with it. When you close your eyes, the only person you can't lie to is yourself. So, so all these questions, all these things that are making you nervous, making you feel uncomfortable, you're having this conversation with yourself. And so, so I, and, and that helped me, even though I hated going, I'd keep going back. Uh, and it helped me that time on my own out there. So then I knew when I when it's time to come back, I knew I would never lose in the ring again because I knew what I was achieving. Because uh, I'd spar with guys and I'd beat them up and I'd be walking back to my dirty little bed sitting. They jump in a stretch limousine and drive off to the big house. I'm thinking, our picture's wrong. I've just beat him up. And so my confidence was getting there. I started to believe I'm actually good here. So when it comes to boxing, Carl Thompson, I knew, and he, call it arrogance. I knew no matter what, he had not been walked my shoes. He had not been where I'd been. He'd not been through the hard times, the bad times, the rough times, the, the skin. He'd not been there. So I, I, then I thought I deserved success. I deserved to win because I've done all the work. So for, for what, not for one second did I think he could beat me. Even though everybody said, and guys in my own gym said, Johnny, you know, Carl Thompson's a tough eye. You know, do you think you can really beat him? Because he was knocking people out. I used to be a fan of his. And I thought, I'll never lose again. I just knew. That, that was something I knew. I would never lose again in the ring because I knew I'd done everything. I'd covered every aspect. you know. I, and it wasn't just about training your body. It's about training your mind. Your mind is as important as training your body. So you can train, train, train. Your body would be 100% on point. If your mind's not there, you might as well not train one day. So, if you, But if your mind's strong and you've not trained strong in your body, your mind will, work, it will get you through so many things. So your mind is your biggest enemy, your biggest critic, but, it, but it's your biggest hero as well. So once you've got a control of that, it helps you in every aspect in life. Johnny, what would you say to people who are listening to this broadcast and saying, I'm struggling, I'm in a dark place at the moment, I'm tempted to go down a violent path? What would you say to them? Your mind, it's your, your mind is your strength and your weakness. Your mind is, it, you will need to understand, you are not the only person that has had this conversation with themselves. You are not the only person that thinks it's just happening to me. This happens to many, many people. So when you see people in the street, they might be laughing, they might be joking or whatever, or they might be doing whatever they're doing. We all have issues upstairs. We all have issues. Some people are more in control of it than others. So people that are, are thinking that way, they need to understand in that same mind, what's taking them down this dark path is success, is a better way. It's how you think, it's how you control your mind, how you discipline your mind. Training your mind is as important as training your body. 
And these, and I'm telling you now, you are your own strength, but you're your worst enemy. And it's not just happening to you. Subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app and never miss an episode. I wish I'd have had loads of kids. I wish I'd have had loads of kids. Tell me about your children. Uh, I've got three daughters, Jordan, India and Bailey. Uh, And everybody said, do you not want a boy? My girls, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they can be loving. Uh, I know for a fact I'm the taxi driver stroke cash machine, (laughs) but I'm the dad. What does Uh, it mean to be a dad? uh, It's important. It's important to me because, and listen, there's no handbook to, to tell you if you're a good dad or a bad dad. I've made mistakes, uh, and there's no handbook to tell you how how to be a father, and I've learned from those mistakes. But to me, I just think my girls, as far as I'm concerned, are my family, are me, are my stability, are my no matter where they are in the world, no matter no matter where I am in the world, they're part of they're a part of me. That's me, and so to me, my stability growing up used to be the boxing gym. Um, uh, now I don't box anymore. I can be with any woman in the world. I can be with and live in any house in the world. My stability is my family. My family is my three daughters because your wife can leave you. Your girlfriend can leave you, but your daughters are yours. And they, they've got, un, I have unconditional love for them as, as they do for me. Even that days when they don't like me, it's unconditional. They belong to me. I'm going to take you back to a, a, a dark hour more recently uh, and that's when you discover a kidnap plot. Mm. Uh, and that's the time that I imagine those fears about your own death or the death of a close one, your wife or your kids, starts attacking you. Mm. Tell me how th- you, you dealt with that. Right. So the story goes, the police rang me. Uh, I was driving to the gym one day. They rang me and said, uh, is it Mr. Nelson? Yes, it is. Uh, we need to have a word with you. I said, well, I'm just going to the gym. Um, what's it about? It's a bit delicate. Can we meet at your house? So I said, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to the gym now, so you'll have to meet me afterwards. And I gave him my address on the phone. It could have been anybody. I'm that stupid and naive. I gave him my address. So I got home and I said to my wife, the police rang me. Uh, they want to have a word with me about something. She said, what? I don't know. She said, so when they're talking to me, I said, they're on their way up. She said, you gave him my address. Oh, oops. Yeah. She said, how did you know it was the police? Oh, well, I didn't. Anyway, the police came in. And they said they've discovered a plot to kidnap me. And this gang, they'd been following this gang for a while. And when they'd been following this gang for a while, this information had come out. So so they want to see, they want they wanted to ask me if I would uh, let them ta- tag me and my family and my home to catch these perpetrators, to catch them. Um, because there's nothing you can really do with the information. This is only confident. But when they try it, they've got him. So they're either going to get him for the drugs they've been involved in that they were following for, or attempted kidnap. There's nothing I could do about it. Because if I said no, these guys are still out there, still attempting to. I've got two questions to ask you. One, you know who that person was, yeah. and you've told me off air who that person was. I didn't at first, though. So. I know, but yeah. now you do. What would have? What would you do if you met that person again? I, I have met that person again. And... Um, and it, it, it's 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 upsetting because I know that individual. It's upsetting, it's upsetting because that individual clearly didn't think about the knocking effect that he put put in my head because they're my children. Or I wasn't scared for me. I was, I was I was scared for my kids, you know, because straight away it's like standing in front of a car for your kids. I was scared for my kids, so I thought you didn't fear for your own life, Johnny. I did, but my kid, my kids took over that you know they were the ones I thought well as long as they're all right you do what you have to do to me you know and I, and then when I realized who it was I thought really uh, but then it wasn't him that was the issue it was the people that were hired with the issue because I didn't know how far these people would go or what they would do so then all of a sudden I'm angry because I'm threatened you, you back a dog in a corner he's gonna buy it and so I'm threatened and I'm because I'm scared uh, and so my kid, they, my kids had to sleep in my room, my my, my bedroom. We had uh, uh, tags in the house on our clothes and the car. We were followed everywhere for six months. You know, I didn't see the police following me, but they were following me. A helicopter would fly over my house in the morning and at night. They'd phone my house twice a day in the morning at night and say, "Are the dogs in?" That was a password. If I said the dogs are out, this is how bad it was. And I thought, this is wrong. 
And I was, I was scared, but I was angry more than scared. You see, this is where we come full circle, Johnny, mm. because we go back to that little boy who's frightened of being mm. harmed. And it comes right up to date with this kidnapped gang yeah. who are after you. And that's what I'm trying to draw out of you. Yeah. Were you scared? Were you angry? Were you frightened of losing your life again? But in saying that, you remember, because you, you've, you've asked me, why do you carry on boxing? Why do you carry on boxing at times when you're in the dressing room? So again, you know, it was it might be ignorance or whatever, but I was angry because I thought, you can't do this to me. It's not fair. But you can get in the ring and box, Johnny. Yeah. You can get away from, from that fear. You can actually do it. You can spar. It's a lot harder to get away yeah. from a and criminal there, gang. Who right. want to... And there was something inside me that even though I was scared and angry, instinctively, I wanted to protect my own. I wanted to, and, and, and you were looking over your shoulder thinking, where's it coming from? So now I am scared. I'm, I'm, I'm talking with, with my, my shoulders up, my head down. I am scared. But I just think, well, what is... And now, because I've been through things, I'm thinking, what is the worst thing that can happen? If they're going to take me out, I'm going to make sure I'm taking somebody out with me. Because this... So you're thinking these things. You're thinking the worst things. And then you think about your kids. And my kids had no idea why they were sleeping in my bedroom. Uh, the kids had no idea why, why there was always a man sat across the, from the school in the car. And so we, there was only a few, pe few people I could tell. I, could, I had to tell the head teacher at their school because so they didn't phone the police to say there's a man watching the school. And I had to tell Brendan because I said to Brendan, look, this is the issue. Brendan was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. I didn't tell anybody else. So, Johnny, how did the kidnapping saga end? Uh, well, the individuals that were hired to do the job uh, ended up getting arrested for what they were originally being followed for, which were the drugs. And, um, and none of them would actually put their hand up and say, yeah, we were paid £7,000 to follow Johnny Nelson, find his movements out and, and pick him up. Uh, nobody would put their hand up for that because it, it carried a hefty sentence. So they got locked up for the drugs. And, uh, and the individual that, that, that paid them, um, he, the police have said the case has been left open because if evidence comes where they can prosecute the individual, they will do to this day. I'd like to quote you the last couple of lines of your autobiography. Somewhere out there is a new career that will give me the rush again. Now, your mm. autobiography is five, six years old. All I've got to do is find it. Mm. Have you found it? No. No. I, I actually... Some people's goal is to be a British champion, be a European champion, be a world champion, unify the titles. It's never been my goal. I achieved these things and I thought, is that it? I want more. What is your goal then? And, and so, 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 you might be in a job and you love your job and you think, this is what I want to do. This is me. I like this. My thirst hasn't been quenched. It wasn't boxing. Boxing was a stepping stone in my life. So you're still looking for yourself? Yeah, so I'm, so I'm looking for, I'm looking for that something that, that quenches my thirst. All Makes right. me think I'm well, all right. Were you with a therapist? Let's, 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 <laughs> let's, let's go for it. Give me a flavour of what makes you really happy. When is Johnny Nelson? absolutely content what is he doing um now when i'm content i'm happy in the gym i've got food in my cupboard i've got <laughs> family uh, around me um but you're saying you're happiest when you're in a gym with other boxers yeah. who are sparring and yeah. training. Or, or training or training just exerting myself you know my next question will be why aren't you a trainer because I'd be, I wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't be doing it because I wouldn't be like, I couldn't commit myself like Brendan did. But you don't have, this is an interesting one here, because what you're describing is what therapists call a catastrophic way of thinking. It has mm. to be black or white. Mm. You don't have to be Brendan, but you might be good enough, Johnny, to be a very, very good trainer. You know, I, I believe I could be, but... Why do me, you have to be the best? I, I don't have to be the best, but I have to be able to give that commitment like Brendan did. What's stopping you committing? Uh, one, uh, because I saw the stress and the pressure it put Brendan through. Brendan gave his life to be to, 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 to boxing. And so if I'm willing to do that, sacrifice, because he's told me about when he's been skinny, he's had no money. He's told me about when he's had to uh, uh, work through work a job and then go into the gym and deal with everybody's issues and deal with his wife and kids and every, everything. And I say, Brendan, you know, why would you do that? You know, it's a lot to hang, handle. Because he was made for that. Yeah, but it's, it's his love. Yeah. It's his love for yeah. the world. And what I'm trying to ask you, maybe unsuccessfully, is where is your love for the world? I would probably, I would probably love doing that. But I've always got the fear of 
how am I going to pay my bills? I don't want someone to turn my lights off. I don't want somebody to, I don't want to, I, I want to be secure. I want to be financially secure so I can do that. But I'm not. I, I'm not. I know when I'm 51 years old now. So what happens when I'm 55? What happens when I'm 60? My money won't last forever. I've still got to earn a crust. A happy Johnny, a happy Johnny is not having to worry about that. Then I can be like Brendan was. But you've got your work in the prisons, yeah. you've got your work in the schools, you've got your work on Sky TV as a boxing commentator. People still want Johnny Nelson. Mm. What does Johnny Nelson want? <laughs> I want to be like Brendan. I do want to be like Brendan. But I know I can't at the moment because I can't commit like Brendan did. And I, I, I said to him, Brendan, I will never do what you did because I can't do what I can't commit like you have. And but and I I admire him. I admire what he's done. I admire how he's dealt with people. I admire how he's helped people's lives. You know, and I could do that. I, I I'm good at motivating people. I'm good at talking to kids. I'm good at telling people stories. You go through life to pass that wisdom on. I can do that. But I but right now I can't do that because if I if I tried that financially, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna how am I gonna live? Brendan did this out of the love of his heart. Brendan did this out of people giving him hand out to say, there you are, Brendan, that'll help you out. You know, he was just fortunate enough to come across a few fighters that made him money and he was all right. And, he, and, he, and then he took the pressure off and he loved his job. I'm not in that position. You've been listening to On The Sporting Couch, a programme that's attempted to lift the lid on mental health issues in sport. I'm Gary Bloom, a psychotherapist, counsellor and sports broadcaster, and my guest has been former boxer Johnny Nelson. As you've already heard, one of the main themes from Johnny's story, from amateur to world champion, was the support and guidance of Brendan Ingle, his life coach. This episode of On the Sporting Couch was recorded before the death of Brendan Ingle, but we feel the programme is a fitting tribute to Brendan's considerable influence on the career of Johnny Nelson, and several more top British boxers, especially from Sheffield. Our thoughts are with Brendan's family and close friends. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.